On this episode of Resi Week, we talk the console game forecasts, math for profit, and AI facial recognition. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 388, Reaching Amateur Status. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matthew Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Avi Rosenthal. He's a partner at BlueSav. How you doing, Avi? I'm doing well, Matt. Thanks so much for having me on. It's uh, the height of the summer, and there's lots of stuff going on. There is lots of stuff. Uh, then we are also joined by uh, the person I ask all of my jujitsu questions to, Mr. Bob Archer. He's the senior editor at CE Pro. How you doing, Bob? Good. And yourself, Matt? I'm doing fantastic. The uh, it's it's a busy summer, which I think we're kind of in the lull, but before Cedia starts. Oh, I, that's dude. That is two months away. Not to throw even... rain on your parade, but. Less than 60 days. Start counting. Uh, no, I'm just trying to get through July. <laughs> Our first article of the day that we're going to cover is is from Bob himself. Console gaming market is going to experience some slow growth, just like all the other home entertainment industries. Uh, there, there is going to be a readjustment over the next little bit. Multiple sources are expecting kind of humble growth for the console gaming market. Avi, let me let me start with this and, and go go read the rest of the article. Bob covers some some really good stuff in this. How much of this is pandemic related, i.e., we saw a massive spike versus the lack of new consoles, the the lack of new titles? Um and, and I will I will preface this all with I am not a big gamer. I think I have a three, an Xbox 360 somewhere in my rack that probably doesn't work anymore. Um, but I haven't, I haven't got excited for a game or th- contemplated buying a game since probably like a Call of Duty years ago. I don't even know what's out. I just know that it doesn't seem to get the fanfare it used to. You're not watching the right fan or fair or because there is, I mean, the, the, there've been a couple of really big titles that have come out as of late, but going back to your original question, I think it's all three of those things. So I think it's the bullwhip okay. effect of the pandemic where everybody went out and bought a console, you know, the, the, whether it was a switch or a PS or a Xbox, everybody went out and bought one because we were all trapped inside. Um, mm-hmm. It's the, the titles, the content seems to be driving, but because of the supply chain stuff, there were a lack of consoles on the market, right? There were a lot of trouble in getting the chips and the processors and things like that. And so, you know, people waited in line, but they got their boxes and now they're playing their boxes. Um, I also think it's a little bit of FUD factor involved with the Microsoft Activision uh, acquisition that's been going on for quite a while now. Um, It looked like it was gonna happen and now it doesn't look like it may happen. And now it's being fought over and, you know, there's a lot of back and forth. It looked like Sony was going to sort of take a back seat, but now they're taking a front seat. So I think all of those things have contributed to it. But more importantly, it's more about the, the you know, we're not spending money on in our house stuff right now. Mm-hmm. We're spending money on our out of house stuff. And so I think that's indicative of what's going on in the high AV market. 
it's indicative of what's going on in the outdoor kitchen market and Home Depot yeah. and Lowe's have seen downturns over the last quarter. And and again, I hate calling them downturns because what they are is just readjustment to reality. If you yeah. remove the 2020, 2021 numbers and you look at where the ramp was from 17 to 18 to 19, you know, we're we're on par. You know, high-end audio is yeah. doing well. Um, you know, the, the gaming is doing well. Networking is doing well. Things like that. Um, we're about tomorrow is a is a big summer sale day, right? You got Amazon Prime Day coming up this week. Target's mm -hmm. got big sales running. So I think again, you know, it's more about the adjustment from a pandemic world to a non-pandemic world. And I don't think it's a it's a reason to panic. I think it's very good that we know what's going on, but I don't think anybody really needs to readjust their their businesses based on it. I think everything is going to flow the way that you expect it to. All right. Bob, when you when you follow this, what is going to drive the next the next boon in this market? Is it going to be some form of AR? Is it going to be again just new content? Is it going to be the next generation of consoles? Because we've had the current gen for what, Avi, three years? Yeah, coming on three years now. What, what's going to drive the future? I think it is going to be stuff like AR, VR. Yeah. And things like that. As a matter of fact, this morning, I plugged in a story in the CE Pro. It'll post soon on um, the evolution of the um, the multipurpose or home theater space as a more multipurpose environment where people will watch TV, sports, um, they'll, they'll stream their movies, and they'll game. They'll game with consoles. Maybe it'll be the golf simulators. Maybe it'll be some other interactive kind of um game system like that but that'll be the next wave and right now that's great for our guys because it's we're talking high-end market stuff um over the next several years i think it'll it'll trickle down into the mainstream yeah that's a very good point all right gentlemen let's move on to our next top of the of the day this comes to us from residential systems math for fun and profit uh vitals math or vitals matt bernarth uh it's another one of his articles uh on business support go go take a read through it what he's doing is breaking down uh your profit level levers and understanding how to uh truly understand your profit um and where that's coming from where you're making money where you're losing money etc cetera, etc cetera. let me let me start with you on this bob um, every time I see an article like this, or every time somebody really gets into the nitty gritty of business management, I'm of two minds. One, I'm happy that someone keeps doing it because so many people in our, in our industry really need it. Um, I also try to grasp kind of a, a more of an overarching question of, is this going to be the thing that's going to sink our industry? The lack of good business practices. It hasn't yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Avi's right on the money there. It, it's been like that for decades at this point. Um, I think these guys have had to readjust. You, you know, there was a time mm -hmm. where 
margins on these products. Think back to, you know, plasma TVs and, and some of the other things in, in the margins that guys were getting on those. Now they, they, they do have to be better in how they, uh, they bid and how they, um, um, you know, sell their systems. But th th this is an ongoing problem, it, it more so in the resi side than the commercial side. The, the entire resi industry could learn to look at the commercial market. Mm -hmm. And I don't think many people have looked at how commercial guys bid and how they conduct business. Or just look at, you know, uh, any number of basic business books. Well, but Matt, I think it also comes down to it's, it was always surprising to me how somebody would run a business and be willing to pay X number of dollars for something for their business. And that mm -hmm. same service, when it came to their home, there was a, a, a substantial discount expected because it was being yes. used for home. And so I can remember yep. back when, when I was an integrator and we would do some light commercial stuff. We do a bar or a restaurant every once in a while. And then we would do the owner's home and they would look at us like, wait, you want to charge me the same amount that you did for my business to put it in my house, but I'm the only one using it here. Well, but it's the same equipment. So the yeah. guys that are doing strictly residential are working on a tighter margin and a tighter uh, profit center than the guys doing commercial. And so articles like this really open up their eyes to all of the things that they may look at their checkbook at the end of the the month and wonder, well, you know, we had a great month. You know, the revenue was great and we did all these installs. Why is there nothing left? And sometimes it's really hard to see the forest for the trees. And I think what this article does is it opens up some people's ideas to some of the things they may not have considered in the profitability of their businesses and mm -hmm. to take a serious look at them. So I, I look at it too with the sort of the double-edged sort of, why don't they know this? But sometimes it's, you know, it's hard when you're in the day-to-day. -day. Well, I mean, the, the, the reason that I get concerned when I see the, I don't get concerned when I see the articles, I get concerned that most people are going to gloss over the articles uh, the same way they glossed over anything that was done from, from CDS side when they were trying to promote business practices, yeah. not the technical aspects of the job, but the, 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 the aspect of running your business. Right. Right. And I, I, Com contrast it to the construction industry mm -hmm. where that has kind of gone, the, there's been a, a significantly larger gap between small companies, mom and pop shops mm -hmm. that are, they're running quote unquote, like a business, but there's a lot of stuff going on. It's not a saleable product. Right. 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 When, when those owners decide they no longer want to do it, that business will close. Yes. It is not something that is designed or, or fit to be purchased. Right. Right. Then there's everybody else who's running like a big business that just happens to work in construction. That's what I feel keeps happening in our industry, specifically on the resi side is the majority of businesses. They're not sellable strictly from the fact that they're not run like an actual business. And there was a time in the construction industry when it was as fragmented as well. I think it's a maturation problem. Um, okay. When you go to the National Association of Home Builders show, you go to the big builders show, there's an entire store run by the NAHB with books and mm -hmm. textbooks and courses and classes and things to help all of these builders sort of run their businesses and understand the profitability of them. Um, and I yeah. think that that's, that hasn't happened as much in our industry 
I mean, look, I can remember when Helen Hennevold had, you know, Bedrock and Bedrock would go into an integrator and teach them, you know, have all the right mm -hmm. forms and all the right things and all the right, you know, but in, in our industry in general, you know, a lot of the people who work in our industry came from other places. And so this may be the first time they're running a business and there's still an immaturity when it comes to how to deal with this. And so I applaud Vital's efforts and, and Origin, you know, for sponsoring it in sort of helping lift these guys up because there's no doubt that it has been uh, the, a, a problem in our business, right? And it's a problem that doesn't necessarily exist in the security world. Companies are bought and sold and traded in the security yeah. world all the time because of the way that they structure themselves and the, the learning process that they went through and the recurring revenue. The recurring revenue, Avi, is a big a thing, big, though. Absolutely, Bob. You're, you're absolutely where right. I would say, you know, it's, we, we may forget about this, but a lot of these dealers in, in our industry are small guys are wearing multiple hats. Yeah. And I think it, it's simply a, a big ask for these guys to have to, okay, you've got to go out and bid. You've got to go out and install. You've got to go out and pick up the gear for the day. There are only so many hours in the day. Yeah. And it, it's it's a tough thing for them on top of being, yeah, they may be an expert in home control or networking or they, they may be an audio enthusiast or whatever it may be to ask them to step outside of their core discipline to tackle something like business management is an entirely different, different. ask. I, I absolutely agree, Bob. I absolutely agree. And that's why I think what Vital is attempting to do where they're, you know, the rising tide is lifting all boats and they're trying to educate, mm -hmm. you know, the, the poor people who are working those 18 hour days and then come back and they're like, oh, now I have to do expenses in accounting. Yeah. You know, that's it's a tough road to hoe. There's no doubt about it. We've all been there. Yeah, it's tough. All right, gentlemen, let's change topics yet again. This comes to us from Residential Systems, a new white paper from Parks Associates on facial recognition. It addresses the role of facial recognition technology for security and personalization in the home. Uh, there, there's a link directly there uh, to go take a look at that uh, white paper. And they, they cover a lot of things and they've got a, a bunch of numbers in here. Specifically, uh, one of the ones that, that stuck out to me was that 37% of consumers trust the companies that have access to their personal data. Um, we could go in so many directions on this. <laughs> Avi, let's start with the, maybe the simplest one is that there's tons of facial rec that's coming out uh, and being available in smart home products, in IOT products. Yep. Uh, whether it's a doorbell, whether it's a camera system, whether it's an alarm panel, whether it's a refrigerator. Um, I, I would just love a refrigerator that would keep my three-year-old out of it. That's that's all I was thinking. They're, but they're probably not um, tall enough for the facial recognition camera. You know, it's like, oh, no, he oh. climbs on the bottom drawer oh, right, and, and gets up. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very impressive. <laughs> my my question to you, Avi, that, that, that we'll kick this off with is, is this good or bad? for our industry and should we should we get involved in this side of it so it's terrifying it's actually <laughs> in a word it is terrifying um but it's not terrifying i think for the reason that you're probably thinking the technology itself is not scary right the idea that a camera is looking at your face and deciding that you are who you say you are is something that's been around for quite a long time. It's used by governments. It's used, look, every time you pick up your cell phone, chances are your cell phone is looking at your face, recognizing who you are and opening up your cell phone. 
The reason why it's terrifying for me is because it's reaching amateur status. And that's the part that's terrifying. When people who are not completely educated about all of the nuances of data privacy, data regulation, data liability, cybersecurity, start to utilize some of these systems with some really sensitive data in it, that's the part that scares me down to my very bone. So if I'm an integrator, how do I deal with this? Well, first of all, don't use anything from a company you don't know everything about, right? That's a number one. You know, we all know who the big names in our industry are. We all know who the, the long-term players are. We all know who we, we have trust in. You work with those companies when you're dealing with data privacy. You don't buy something off of some Alibaba, Amazon website that you don't know the, the legitimacy or longevity of and use it in a system, even though it may be cool tech or maybe the greatest gadget or it may be the right price. Data privacy is the part that is the terrifying part to me. So the facial rec, I get. We use it every day. No problem. Being the integrator and installing it and then monitoring it, configuring it and maintaining it, totally different issue. So Bob, given what Avi just said, we, we do know the big players, but as we've seen in recent lawsuits with all the big players, they're not doing a great job of maintaining that data either. At what point do we as a channel kind of sit back and just do the like, you know what? I don't want to touch that. That's, that's a really inter. I think that's a case by case basis. You ask me, uh, you know, I'm going to say what, what my opinion is. Avi will have his own opinion. You have your own opinion. I, I think that's up to everyone's own discretion. I think the whole key is, is to be transparent with end users about this whole thing. Um, you know, we're still in the early stages of this. I think back to several years ago when Samsung got caught for uh, illegally listening to uh, consumers with their um, their smart TVs and um, how that impacted things. Do we really know if it's any different now? We all we all question uh, our privacy when you get those pop up ads after you've been looking at you, you know a set of sneakers on on Google or something, you know, but. Uh, I think it, everybody will take it case by case and it'll depend on how they feel about that and how inclusive they want those technologies into their lives. So I'm to the point where internally in our company, we're having conversations about whether we're going to sell like smart CCTV systems and not your traditional like, um, you know, DVR, NVR based but specifically the, the, the smart home stuff from the privacy issues. And like we were talking about this last week on the show in, in reference to some of the Hikvision stuff and the Dawei stuff, which again, I'm only naming them because a, it was on the show and there's a massive BBC article about it. Um, but there, there are some legitimate legal concerns internally for us as a company where we just don't want to be involved in that necessarily. We haven't, we haven't come to terms on it, but it's an active conversation internally with our stakeholders and with um, our, our legal team. And disclosing that information and the potential of it towards 
your client who's buying these systems, who in turn is dealing with the public in whatever capacity that they're dealing with them. Yes, it, it opens up an enormous can of worms. So I, I think, you know, Matt, if we talk about what the integrators should be doing to sort of protect themselves, I think what Bob said is absolutely right, is the transparency of it. So I wouldn't necessarily shy away from the installation. If a client comes to you and says, I want a you know, video analytics system so I can see the cars that are pulling in or the people walking up or things like that, but I'd be damn sure that I would make sure that they sign a document that limits my liability. So if they happen to see something and get in trouble for seeing it, or they record something or something leaks out, that that client knows that, you know, these are the possibilities. The transparency mm -hmm. in the conversation between you and your client is the most important part. What's going to protect you in the end and turn an adversarial, a potentially adversarial uh, relationship into a partnership relationship is when you can sit down with that client six months later when they're holding a lawsuit in their hands and say, okay, we talked about this. We, we talked about the fact that your system was going to do this, this, and this, and this is how it was storing it, and this is what happened, and, and let's work together to work on a solution. Rather than you just being served because the client didn't understand the technology, didn't understand the liability of it, and is now coming to you screaming, oh, my God, this is what happened. And my, you know, my daughter's image leaked out, and now it's all over the interwebs. So I, I think that the conversation is with the client and making sure that they understand what's going on and get them to sign something. You know, we did it back in the day in the security world, and they still do it now. Yeah. When, when you install a security system, they sign a contract. That contract specifically limits the liability of what happens if, God forbid, that security system doesn't work or works too well or doesn't work at all or what have you. I think that the same kind of T's and C's, the same kind of terms and conditions have to be applied to some of these newer technologies and some of this data privacy issue. Yeah, we've talked about that for years on the show that yeah. you shouldn't be selling anything without some T's and C's that specifically state that you ain't liable for anything. Exactly. And I think what gets lost in most conversations with clients to, to both of your points is there's a lot of integrators that have transparency with their clients, but it's, it's just a spoken conversation. Yeah. It's not yeah. followed up with that. Yeah. So now that we talked about this, here you go. Can you sign right here? Say, right. say that we talked about this and that you agreed to all this. Yeah. Um, just before we leave this topic, I got sent something from one of my manufacturers the other day, which I found very interesting. Um, it was a, uh, a camera system designed for a construction uh, site where the analytics within the, the cameras and the, and the system could determine who was on site based off facial rec and then whether or not they were in compliance for uh, high vis vests and hard hats. Wow. And we've seen this, we, 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 we saw this, um, in the middle of COVID in a way where we were, uh, we were selling some systems based on tracking numbers of people walking in and out of doors mm -hmm. using cameras. Yep. This is a whole other area. Is there concern or is this something that is honestly helpful to us? So in my mind, it's helpful. You know, I used to be the high vis hard hat police on my jobs, right? I was the guy come rolling up 
and I'd put my hat on and, you know, I'd go walking in and it'd be three of my guys pulling cable, you know, and their, their hard hats sitting on the ground right next to them. Cause we mm -hmm. did work in Florida and it was freaking hot and there's nothing hotter than wearing a hard hat in the Florida sun. Right. And I understood. Rookies, you got to clip that to your belt like a boss. <laughs> right? there's, there's nothing, you know, but I mean, if I ever did something like that, right. Exactly. Shh, shh, shh. Exactly. But so I think that it, it helps in the compliancy. I mean, it does open up a lot of questions in my mind about where that, where else that data is going, you know, is, OSHA going to have access to that data? Is my insurance company going to have access to that data? You know, is is the, when, unfortunately, when an accident happens, is somebody then going to look at that camera data and go, aha, you see, he wasn't wearing his hard hat or the reverse of, all right, well, thank God he was wearing his hard hat. You know, I, I like to put yeah. these in a positive spin. But I think at the end of the day, these are the kinds of things that we can expect out of the world in the future. Many other countries already do this with regularity and not just yeah. the communist ones, right? The, the, uh, it's of course, it's a different issue, but, um, most, you know, most countries do it with compliancy these days. I was in Singapore a few weeks ago and, uh, you know, there's a lot of construction going on and we, have, we, we walked the formula one, they're getting ready for the formula one race down in Singapore and it was all under construction. And, uh, you know, we walked through the area. And, you know, a couple of the guys, you know, pointed at us. And, of course, they said in whatever language they were speaking. I'm sure we got yelled at, but we didn't understand it. But there were cameras everywhere watching the guys work. And there were cameras mm -hmm. and signage everywhere talking about the fact that they were under surveillance. And I think it's just a matter of time before a lot of things that we sort of take for granted are, in fact, being monitored to make sure that things are in compliance and there's safety involved. We've, we've all been on job sites where guys have gotten hurt and it's very unfortunate when it happens. And nine times out of 10, you're second guessing like, well, why wasn't he wearing his steel boots? And why wasn't he wearing the high view? And how did he get in the way of the forklift or what have you? And I think these camera systems, although they sound very obtrusive in the future can actually help. So Bob, just, just before we wrap this up, are we going to have to go beyond the traditional you know, big placard that says the site is under surveillance and go to the site is under surveillance as well as compliance for these things. I think it'll be commonplace. Um, we're not going backwards with, with any of these technologies. It's going to move forward whether people want it or not. I think it'll be up to the legal system to adapt um, to be able to cope with whatever legalities are the result of these new technologies. And I, I think it'll be as ambiguous as, um, as anything else these days as, as a ring doorbell or whatever. So yeah. uh, it's here whether we want it or not. That's the truth. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap it up there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Bob, if people want to connect with you, learn more about CE Pro, where can they do that? They can go to CE Pro at CEPro.com or they can find me on Instagram and that my handle on Instagram is BA1Boston. I love that you have it because that means I don't have to read it off your uh, your title card here. <laughs> I looked before we hopped on. There you go. Right? <laughs> I love it. Uh, Avi, thank you for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about BlueSav, how can they do that? So certainly on our website at www.bluesav.com and then I am a member of Threads. And my mm. handle on threads is Avi Rosenthal IOT. So please come and join me on threads. We're having interesting conversations about IOT every day. Every day. 
All right. Thank you uh, again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and every other social platform, including threads and Instagram and everything other than TikTok. Uh, but more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Resi Week.